It is so good to be here with you today to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we have been talking for the last uh, few weeks as a church about this idea of Christmas presents. You see a little play on words there in the title of our Christmas Eve service, the title of the series that we've been in. And you know um, that the word presence is something that's on a lot of people's mind in the room, right? Especially our younger members of our crowd here. Um, but we're talking about the presence of God. And specifically what we've been talking about is this very comforting aspect of the Christmas message. There's this one word, it's a name in fact, that's translated into three different words. And it's this word, Emmanuel. And it means God with us. And we find these words in Matthew chapter 1, in the words spoken by the angel to Joseph. It says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We've been talking about this idea. And in elementary school, by the way, my elementary English school teacher taught me that there's this word called a homonym, which is what, you know, presence, depending on how you pronounce it, presence with a T-S at the end, or this presence here that we're talking about, um, is a homonym. It's a word that sounds the same, but it has a totally different meaning. Or a homophone, excuse me. I totally got that wrong. The teachers in the room are disappointed in me. Um, <laughs> Homophone, homonym is something else. So we're talking about this idea that God, this, this is an incredible gift that God gives us, which is his presence, his presence. The title of, uh, or the, 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 my three points of my message here is this phrase, God with us, but each point of the message is going to have a different emphasis on it. So you see it right here, God with us, then we'll talk about God with us, then we'll talk about God with us. So that's how the sermon's going to go this evening, so you can follow along here. But we're, we're talking about this idea of God being with us. That phrase is, is great just on its own. If you don't know anything about the Bible, the idea that God wants to be with us is significant. And that's a special idea just on its face. But the more you understand about the story of Scripture, the storyline from creation to new creation, the more powerful this idea of God with us is. And so we've been talking as a church these last few weeks, last three Sundays, and then with this Christmas Eve service, of the story of God, the story of Scripture, and how God um, is bringing back people into His presence. We started out talking about the fall and how this relationship with God that was close where humanity was, was living constantly in the very presence of God. And then at the fall, this relationship was broken. Humanity hid from God's presence first, but then God withdrew his presence. But he put a plan in place, or there was a plan that was already in place before this fall even happened to bring God's people back into his presence. It all started with Abraham who from his family became a great nation, from his children and his children's children and their children. And eventually from this one family, there was a nation of people called Israel. And these people would relate to God in this unique way. They would be able to show other nations what it's like to live in the presence of God as a people. And one of the things that God gave this nation after their time in Egypt and being delivered out of slavery in Egypt out to the promised land or towards the promised land, they were given this place called the tabernacle. And I, some of you are very visual people. I've got a picture of what the tabernacle might have looked like, an artist's rendering of a place 
where God's presence would dwell. They would see the glory of God dwelling amongst his people. And the tents would be around and the nation would be surrounding this tabernacle where God's presence, the cloud by day and the fire by night, they'd be able to see the presence of God. God was drawing near to his people. Later, they would build, once they got to the promised land and the years passed, they would build another structure, which we also have an artist rendering of, the temple. And the temple would be this place, the Solomon's temples there on the left, the smaller one, and then on the right, the one that Herod would build many years later. This would be a place where God's presence would dwell among the people. And they could draw near to him. There could be, even though there was some distance there, they could have God with them in a way that was unique up until that point. The people of Israel continually disobeyed, though, that even, even though they had God in, in their midst and they were a people blessed by God, they continued to turn away and to worship false gods, to turn away from worshiping the true God. And God sent discipline. He sent this judgment to call them back to true worship. Eventually, the temple was dismantled. It was destroyed by the Babylonian army. Later, a new, a new temple would be constructed. But God had a plan. Even when the people were the most disobedient, there's all these prophets prophets in the Bible, the minor prophets and the major prophets in the, the kind of the last half of the, New, of the Old Testament that are God constantly calling his people back to true worship. But even in those verses, promising that someone would come who would set things right. The people of Israel knew that person as the Messiah, which brings us to our next point, because that's what we're celebrating for Christmas Eve. God with us. We celebrate on Christmas that the Creator entered into His own creation. The one who spoke things into existence became a part of humanity. In John chapter 1, it's this great, um, beautiful description of the arrival of Jesus, but also what happened even before His birth. John chapter 1, we're going to read a, a selection of verses from John 1, starting in verse 1 here. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. These are powerful words of how Christ came into his creation, and he became, um, he took on humanity in addition to his, his divinity and entered into his own creation. There's a word in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, which by the way, every time I say among us, I know there's a video game called that. So I know some, of, some people in the room, my son in particular, always mentions when I say among us. Anyway, for the, for the half a dozen people in the room that pick up on that every time, I just said it, so it's, it's out there now. I knew, I know that. You know that game. I see, I knew. I said it for you. I said it for you. That's right. But there's this word, dwelt, among us, Right? And this, this word dwelt, in the original Greek, it's the same word used to describe the tabernacle. It's literally saying, and the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. I'll say it that way. He, 
He was with the, he, like, like the tabernacle in the wilderness, like this portable place where God's glory would dwell, where, where God, even though the universe can't contain, contain him, he chooses to dwell amongst his people. And Jesus did that as well. He tabernacled with humanity. We've come back to these kind of theological words um, over and over again through this series. There's this, this one word, the transcendence of God, and then the imminence of God. And both these words are significant when you talk about the presence of God, what, what it means that God is his transcendent, but he's also imminent. Transcendent means that he fills all of creation. He, he's not limited to any geographical place. He is transcendent. He transcends all of those things. When King Solomon was praying at the temple dedication, we talked about this in the sermon last Sunday, he's, he prays this prayer that's, he says, heaven, the highest heavens cannot contain you much less than this house we built for you. He is everywhere. Solomon's speaking to the transcendence of God. But then there's this other powerful, the other side of the coin with this, this powerful idea that he's also imminent. He's with us. We can engage with him personally and relationally, that God's not content to just be with people in this abstract, absent way, but he's a personal God. And we see this through the story of Scripture where he relates with individual people. And King David has this special relationship with him and Moses and Abraham and all of these people. And then in the Christmas story, these two big theological ideas, they connect. The transcendent becomes imminent, that Jesus is with us. Have you ever been nervous to talk to somebody? You've got someone that you're either impressed by or maybe even a celebrity and you had an opportunity to meet them and you were nervous to talk to them. Anybody just nod your head if you've had an experience like that, someone that you were nervous to talk to. That's a pretty uh, common experience we've had, I think. I remember um, meeting someone at a gathering of pastors and it was a person who had written a book that I loved. And this person, even though like you probably wouldn't, almost no one in the room would recognize his name, he was a celebrity to me. And I got real nervous meeting him. And I remember just like stumbling over my words, nice to meet me, or I don't even know what I said, you know. It was this moment where I was, I was intimidated. And so it was like really cool to meet this person who I admired, but I was also nervous about it. I met Mark Few once. I know, impressive, right? I was at a gathering, another meeting event, and it was the same thing. I got intimidated by Mark Few and I was nervous. And, um, and, but I want to ask you another question related to this. Have you ever been intimidated to meet a baby? Has anyone ever been nervous about meeting a baby? Like, I hope this baby, you know, likes me or something, right? This is not, we're, babies are not intimidating. In fact, that's the least intimidating person you can meet is a baby. So I find it so amazing that when you look at the story of how God was with his people, we, we talked two weeks ago uh, two Sundays ago as a church, about God's presence on Mount Sinai. And the way Scripture describes that, thick clouds and lightning and this loud sound and the sound of trumpets that just got louder and louder. And Israel as a nation was gathered around this mountain. And it was such an intimidating scene that they literally asked Moses to not have God talk to them anymore. Moses, can you talk to God from now on? We're not sure we're going to survive an encounter with the living God so can you be the one that talks to him and you just tell us what God says instead of us having to hear it directly from God? This is this idea. They are intimidated by God. Every time someone meets God in the Old Testament, it's, it's terrifying, right? They fall down and worship or they keep their distance or they, they can't even see God's glory in person. But then Jesus comes as the, in the least intimidating way possible. He comes as a, as a baby. 
and we get to draw near to him. He came to be with us. Our final point is God with us. God is given to us as a gift, and that gift is meant to be opened and enjoyed and lived out. And the New Testament begins to, to continue to unpack this idea of what it means that God came to be with us, is that because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, is this theological word to talk about Jesus being born to us, because that is a reality, we are the temple. If you are a follower of Christ, Scripture describes you together with other followers of Christ as the temple of God. So his presence is a reality that we can enjoy and live out together. So another way of saying this is God came to be with us so that we could be with him. He is God with us. And there's this open invitation to everyone, anywhere, to experience this presence of God personally. Psalm 1611 is a verse that we always put on the back of our bulletins that we hand out on Sunday mornings. And it says that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That in God's presence, there is this, this, it's this idea that the, the search for meaning, hope, and joy that the world is on a frantic search for, that in God's presence, that search comes to an end. We found what we're looking for when we have the presence of God. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism, and he uh, lived back in the 18 or the 1700s, passed away in the late 1700s. And he was someone that uh, was a, a, an evangelist. He told many, many people about Jesus. He traveled on horseback. He delivered something like 40,000 sermons, traveled around. He would preach in the fields. Everywhere he went, he would spread the message of Jesus. He was someone that also believed that his faith required him to act in some way to write some of the ills in his society. And, and some of his writings um, were very influential on slavery, for example. And, and just a few decades after his death, um, the United Kingdom or England at this time outlawed slavery. But he, he was someone that was all about spreading the gospel. Thousands and thousands of people came to Christ through his ministry. At the end of his life, after 87 years of, of living, he came to the end of his life. And he was surrounded by his loved ones for his final moments. And at the end of his life, someone heard him say these words. The best of all is God with us. The best of all is God with us. He said it twice, in fact. He said he lifted his arms, even in his weakened state, right before he passed away, and lifted his arms and said, the best of all is God with us. That we can know Jesus in that way. We can have God with us and walk through this life with him. We don't have to be alone. We don't have to, to, to just be on our own trying to find peace and joy and fulfillment and hope and meaning. We can find it in Christ. So I invite everyone in this room to, to know Jesus in that way, to have this relationship with him in that way. And I, I want all of us as well to fix our hearts on this wonderful, wonderful truth that God is with us now. And we can go through this life with him. Max Lucado in his really good book called God Came Near, and he's talking about the Christmas story. He was talking about how on the, the night that Christ was born, the, the most important people in the world did not find out about him. It wasn't Caesar. It wasn't the king of Israel. It wasn't any of these people. It was shepherds in a field keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? When the angel appears to them and they hear 
about this news, and they go to the most humble place possible, this stable, and they meet the Messiah. He said in this book, he says, those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. Little has changed in the last 2,000 years, has it? The idea is this that I want to kind of leave you with as we're drawing the message to a close, is that let, let us be people who are looking at this idea of God coming near and, and let that fill our hearts with gratitude. Let's be thankful for a God that put this plan into place to come near so that God could be with us. I'm going to ask uh, the tech team to bring the lights down just a little bit. I want to show you a picture on the screen. This is a painting by Rembrandt. And um, I don't know how well you can see this. You might be wondering, like, I didn't know we were going to have a vision test, you know, at the Christmas Eve service. I can't see it very well. We have a close-up image of what's on the kind of middle of the screen. So let's go to that second picture. This is a picture that Rembrandt painted in the 1640s. And, and part of what Rembrandt did was this use of shadow and light to kind of tell a story in the painting. And this is called The Adoration of the Shepherds. It's hanging in, a, in the National Gallery in London. And I know it's a little bit hard to see from different, different places in the room. But they're gathered around Jesus. Gathered around the baby in the manger. This is the story from Luke chapter 2. And I want you to notice one specific thing about the painting. The reason why I wanted to show this to you is I want you to see where the light is coming from. What is illuminating the faces of the people in the painting? It's baby Jesus. There is a lantern off to the side, but it's really not shining any light on their face. The light is coming from baby Jesus himself, which is, of course, a metaphor, right, for what Jesus came to bring. That Jesus came to bring light. We read that in John chapter 1, that this light was coming in the world, and the darkness could not overcome it. One of my favorite parts about Christmas Eve services is something we're about to do. We're going to light our candles and spread that light as a symbol of Jesus being the light of the world that darkness could not overcome. So the worship team is going to come back up here. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and I'm going to get my candle ready here to light the Christ candle and then to spread the flame throughout the room. Reminder, the kids, if, if, you, if you need your kids to, you know, <laughs> you're not sure how they're going to handle a candle, they've got the glow sticks over there as well that you can, you can use. But let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word and to reflect on these eternal truths. Lord, so many things that take our attention and our focus will not last for a long time, and they certainly won't last for eternity. Lord, but these truths will. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have these hearts full of gratitude. Take full advantage of, of God with us that we might have a close relationship with you. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who needs to put their faith in you, I pray that they would do that now so they would experience this relationship with you that you make possible. And then for all of us, Lord, may we, may we live this out. May we walk through this life with you to live our whole lives in your presence. You've made that possible because of Christmas. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.